Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Steads and Sandals, a PE podcast by the Lancashire Post. We'll be discussing any potential returns to action, have a look at what Alex Neal has been saying, talk about how North End are dealing with it, and there's also a charity auction we'd like to raise awareness of. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Seds and Sandals. My name is Tom Sandals and with me is Dave Seddon. We're back for a lockdown podcast recorded remotely, but we've probably got even more to talk about than usual. We're going to be talking about all things PE and a bit more as per usual. We're obviously recording remotely, so first off, any audio issues, we can only apologise. Um, but we'd like to say thanks to Dan, who is currently helping us to record. And at the same time, pass any blame onto him because it's all his fault if things go wrong. <laughs> And he's a Blackburn Rovers fan after all, so I have no problem in doing that. What about you, Dave? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we can blame him for everything, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> all his fault. We're, we're completely faultless in all this, people. We, um, we're Obviously, our normal recordings are absolutely perfect, so uh, it's all his fault. <laughs> anyway, Dave, uh, how are you doing? I'm very well. Well in the circumstances, Tom. I'm, I'm a bit worried about my hair, actually. It's sort of, uh, it, it's growing and it's getting a lot greyer, which has nothing to do with being locked up with a wife and two kids. It's, uh, I think it's just age, age spreading. I'm, uh, you know, I'll be another year older very soon. So, uh, yeah. So I think, I think the next, uh, the, the next order from Amazon won't be a food order. It'll be a pair of clippers, I think. So yeah, it might I'm be a skinhead next time you know. soon. Yeah, yeah. tempted for the buzz cut. My hair's getting really long. Like it's proper curly, yeah. thick, and it's just winding me up. I get, I, gen, I get genuinely angry at it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> You've got but, a rubbish uh, haircut, anyway, mate. You know, well, so exactly. it's probably not much different right. for you, is it? Never so. been, never been bothered by it, I must say. Um, yeah. Right. Well, shall we get into it then? We obviously we all want football to come back, but. Mm-hmm. At the moment, with the way things are going, obviously we keep getting um, football might come back this time or they're looking at doing this and that and all that. At the end of the day, <clears throat> how much does it really matter at the moment? Yeah, I think I think we want it back. I think um, we're, we're, football obviously gets all the headlines, doesn't it? You know, it's a spectator sport. It, you know, it needs people there. You know, everyone's got a passion about it. Um, but I think... Like I've seen, I've seen some people accusing oh, football shouldn't be thinking of being played and everything. Football is a business; it's entitled to be able to plan. Now, when that is, it's out of their hands. Really, it's out of our hands. It's probably out of their hands. You know, it'd be up to the government and the health authorities. You know, on that decision. But like any any business, whether it's the coffee shop round the corner that's not allowed to open at the moment, the hairdressers, you know, the barber shop who can't open at the moment, they have to be able to put plans in place 
for when eventually some of these restrictions are lifted and and they can get back. Um, but as I say, it is a guessing game over when that would be. You know, we've seen various dates banded about. Um, so, but I, th- I think I think we are entitled to talk about it and plan for it. Um, just maybe not set in stone when it might be, not set our hearts on a particular date that we might see some football again. Um, people's health at the end of the day is, you know, it's a priority here and, you know, help, helping the country get back on its feet, you know, keep keeping everyone, you know, safe, keeping the hospitals, you know, that they, they can cope with, you know, the, the cases that are coming in, that, you know, the health authorities can treat people in the community as well. So that's where the focus can be. It has to be bought. I think any business, you know, it needs to be planning for, you know, when we're getting through the next stage of this. Yeah, to be fair, I think football in general at most points have said, we're not going to rush. We're always going to listen to the advice. And mm. and they do kind of take that stance that the most important thing is everyone's mm. health. But yeah. at the same time, mm. like you say, they, they do have to plan. Even even yeah. if you look at, if you look, like you say, any, any company, anyone out there who may be currently furloughed, I'm sure mm. they're speaking to their company every now and again just to say, oh, we're thinking potentially this date. And I don't think that's any yeah. different. As, as no. what football is, it's just under a bit a, a much larger sort of microscope. Yeah, that's it. You know, like well, you know, like yeah, you say someone has been furloughed in a business somewhere. Normally, they're going to be communicating with their employer. You know, any chance you know when you might be thinking of getting back to work. You know, get the production line company, get the office going again. You know, that's no different than. Uh, the football authorities getting around the table, well, not the table anymore, isn't it? Getting via Zoom or Skype or whatever, and like having discussions and yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, so so that's no different. The the, the difference is that. When there's been a football meeting, that makes the back page headlines, you know, and it's all over social media, you know, a, a small business planning for when it can get back going, which is just as important to that person. You know, it, it's, not, it's not national news, is it? You know, but, but football is. What do you think of the current plans that are being banded around? I know Premier League is different to the EFL. They've spoken mm-hmm. about the um, Premier League potentially even being played abroad, the EFL looks more mm. likely that it'll probably be behind closed doors whenever things do get sorted. Mm. It's not going to be neutral venues or anything like that. What, what's your yeah. take on it at the moment? I think, yeah, um, yeah it will start. I, I, you know, I think the Championship will start mm. and I think the Premier League will start. I think there's big doubts about League One and Two um, who, you know, are very worried about cash flow. The further down you go, your gate receipts are massive. Now, the Premier League, with some of them, what money they take through the turnstiles is loose change yeah. compared to the TV revenue, the solidarity payments and whatever. You know, they're, you know, that's that's a big money which keeps them going. Some the even Champions- get 15 million depending on the position they finish in the league, for example. And that's, yeah, that's astronomical exactly. for anyone below. Yeah, the Championship... Some you get a solidarity payment from the Premier League of uh, several million a year. That's that's the bulk of the money. But you know, at Championship level, you know, the more you've got coming through the gate, the better. That really, you know, that that that's the sort of next amount, you know, big amount for clubs. But you get into League One and League Two, and what what's coming through the turnstile on a Saturday and a Tuesday night 
is you know like the, one of the main sources of their revenue it's massive and i think their solidarity payments are down to about a million and a half two million something like that even less than league two you know so if you know if they can be getting a few thousand coming through the gate you know the lower down you are the better but obviously you know we're not we're not going to be seeing fans unfortunately at games for quite a while i wouldn't have thought so how how the clubs in league one and two survive on sort of small solidarity payments and absolutely zero revenue coming over the turnstiles you know it really is a big a, you know a big question i think i think the problem football's got as well you've got the premier league 20 clubs it's a sort of manageable about you know, 20, 20 clubs you can manage, you know, you can get around, you can talk about, you know, and everyone's, you know, yeah, slightly different levels, but, you know, you once you get into the Premier League, you know, you're at the big boys' table. And if you think about the EFL, it's 71 clubs. It's normally 72, obviously, because Barry got um, kicked out, didn't he, before the season started. But 71 different opinions and 71 different ways of running clubs slightly is a lot different to 20 clubs being planned in the Premier League, you know, where TV is king, where, you know, sort of, uh, you know, it's it's the cash cow at the moment. It might not be forever. Uh, This could alter things, but, you know, it's so, I think, I think the running of the EFL in the Premier League is so different. You know, there's such a, such a diversity in, um, in the EFL compared to the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, you, you can compare. So the EFL, two of its members, let's say, lead to get 30 odd thousand a week guaranteed all this Mm -hmm. stuff, right? And you're going to compare those with someone like, I know they're obviously they're always picked on, but someone like Accrington Stanley who get a couple of thousand mm. and are a very modest club. Now yeah. you've got to try and find a middle ground that suits yeah. both parties, and they are completely different worlds, aren't they? Yeah. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. You could even you know use the Accrington Stanley um, example. Then you could even go further down. You can go to Morecambe in League Two. You know, one of yeah. our local clubs. Lovely little, you know, I'm not going to be patronising there, but they're superb little club to deal with, you know, like, um, uh, but they survive on gates of what, barely, you know, 1,200 or so, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, bigger away following might boost it, but, you know, yeah, w- what they're going to be, um, you know, the, the, their finances are so much different, you know, so um, to, you know, what Leeds might be, might, you know, co- you know, chalk and cheese to what Preston's going to be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, it, when it, when it all comes down to it, I, I do think the championship might end up, in a way, be a little lucky that they're connected to the Premier League in a way that gar- it sort of guarantees that they come back because mm-hmm. the championship has a, has an effect on the way the Premier League is because if teams don't yeah. come out, the Premier League raises questions about integrity and things like that. And yeah. that might be why League One and League Two get left behind on top of the yeah. money issue and all that sort of stuff sort of thing at mm-hmm. the end of the day the, the the premier league is the is the be all and end all apparently or at least yeah. it seems that way what i've not liked about the premier league recently um I, I admire the stance that they want to finish this season. A lot of the clubs want to finish. Then we've just had this self intro you know, like we, everyone was spoke of sporting integrity. It's vital we finish the season. But then we've had these latest meetings about neutral venues when a little bit of self-interest was starting to creep in. You know, you probably can see why. Why do we have to play on neutral venues? On, on four of our last sort of, 
you know, eight home games, of our last games are at home, you know, like the winnable or whatever, we're going to have to give up our home advantage for this. And in return for giving up home advantage and playing on neutral venues, why don't we not have no relegation this season? I hate that. I really think that's suddenly that self-interest above sporting integrity above, you know, above anything. And, and, that, and that's not right. You know, I think so. I saw six teams who were against that. And yeah. coincidentally, they were the yeah. bottom six teams in the Premier League. <laughs> who yeah. saw that coming? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, but you know, um, that, that, that's, the, that's the thing, you know, like it's, it's very much self-interested at a time when we're meant to be pulling together a little bit, you know? So, and the thing is, we're going to be playing on neutral venues or empty grounds. There's not going to be that, you know, you know, Brighton are one of the teams who've spoken about, you know, preferring to play at the Amex stadium if they could, as opposed to neutral venues, because you think it will give them the home advantage. If playing in front of no people, it's an empty ground (laughs) going to make any difference to, you know, it's not going to give you an advantage at all. Is it? You may as well go and play somewhere else, you know? um, I really don't see the argument in that one. Yeah. You might, the pitches are all the same size. The grass is the same length. Yeah. What often gives you what gives you that home advantage is the fans you have in there. You know that can turn it into an absolute bear pit for you know for away fans. You know for away teams that fear to tread almost. You know forty thousand, fifty thousand people getting behind a team when there's no one in that stadium. It doesn't matter where you're going to play. You could play at the training ground, couldn't you? Really. So um, you know that that argument really doesn't wash with me. Yeah, and focusing more on the championship I mentioned it earlier that it's it's looking like it's going to be behind closed doors it's not looking mm. like uh, North End are going to be anywhere but at Deepdale or someone else's yeah. ground when it all comes back and that was a piece that you mm. wrote the other day wasn't it that that's the way the club understands it as well yeah that's right yeah, yeah I think you know let's just assume League 1 and 2 do start as well as the championship you know you've got 71 clubs to deal with there you know you can't it's not like the Premier League where you only need to find eight or nine neutral venues for a, a little you know a small set of matches this is, this is you know you've got hundreds of games here to finish you know so it, it, it's going to be you know if they do get started it's going to be you know I presume the last game you know the first game to get postponed was looting away wasn't it for North End I assume yep. that when we do get going whenever we that may be and if we get going We'll go to Kenilworth Road first time, and then after that, it's Chef Wednesday away, is it? You know, we'll go to Hillsborough, mm. and then it'd be Nottingham Forest at home. We'll come back to Deepdale, and it'll be it'll be empty stadiums. You know, that's the way. You know, they're gonna be. And I've, I've got to say this, uh, Tom. I'll, I'll get it out there on the podcast. Um, North End. You know, like you re- referred there to a story I'd written there about you know, where where games will be played and whatever. North End have been, with their communication during this, I've been absolutely spot on. You know, I'm not blowing smoke up the backside saying this, but it, it's true, you know, like, they've, you know, whenever they can, you know, a phone call to Peter Risdale, who advises Trevor Hemmings and obviously has a big, you know, influence at the club. He's been available whenever you need him. You know, sometimes he might not know the answer, but he will, you know, be, he's been trying, you know, he realises you need communication and, you know, they've been spot on. The club have been putting players up for interview. They put Alex Neal up for an interview on Zoom the other week just yep. to keep a bit of normality going. Obviously, there's going to be days where, 
there is nothing to be said, you know, like uh, things aren't going to be, uh, you know, some things just haven't happened, but, you know, fair play to North End, you know, they've tried to keep, you know, a sort of bit of a commentary on, you know, what's happening with, you know, without turning it into a bit of a saga, but, you know, if we've asked a question, do you think this might happen? They've tried to answer it as honestly as we can and, uh, you know, every credit to them. Yep. And we've got uh, Tom Barkeyson coming up soon as well, haven't we? Which is, uh, which would be, Interesting to hear from him, and and to be fair, you know, like I say, credit to credit to, to North End for. I mean, I suppose it, it it helps fans kind of keep in touch with things and and keep things going, and like you say, it's just trying to keep that normality mm-hmm. as as much as is possible. Yeah, I think I think you know, like um, in terms of the club, you know, like they they've still got a product to sell if you you know it's going to be a bit strange isn't it that they won't be able to have fans in the stadium but mm. they still want to get the name out there you know they still they still want to be in people's minds and, and pe- people just you know we're turning the telly on all the time it's, it's COVID-19 it's coronavirus mm. it's like lockdown talk a bit of sport just talking about something a little bit different I think it's important you know that's not me saying it from a selfish point of view you know because I'm involved in football but you just need something a little bit different don't you? And for mm. you know, if, if people are now getting their heads around, they're not going to be sat in a football stadium for quite a number of months on the four. But they still want news about their club. You know, they still want you know news about the players, the managers, and and, and whatnot. So uh, you know, it's it, it is important. Yeah, we'll move on to what you. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We'll move on to what you uh, mentioned briefly there about Alex Neil and that uh, Zoom mm. call. He was he was quoted up and down the country as wanting Leeds and Brentford to have transfer bans and then Birmingham, he wanted them to have a transfer ban and then Blackburn mm-hmm. Rovers, depending on who, who was writing mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. you were reading it. Um, yeah. What what do you make of, of all this, of, of all this kind of hoo-ha that's come up off the back of these wage deferrals and, and, and all yeah. this sort of stuff? I mean, you were in that interview with Alex Neal. Yeah. He, he doesn't name anyone specifically. No. He's taken maybe a bit slightly out of context. But yeah. Leeds ran with it as well, didn't they? And, yeah, not what not once did he ne- make um, mention another club. He didn't, um, or or what he was trying to say. You know, not, you know, I'm not putting words into his mouth. He was just trying to make the point that would you know if if some clubs haven't you know if some clubs do defer wages, it means they'll owe a lot of money at the end of it. You know, like would would players still get paid at other clubs before? big money you know make will that money be guaranteed to the players to make up the shortfall for the wages um would that be paid before clubs are going out to spend big money on transfer fees you know it's a reasonable question but he didn't say Leeds should be punished he didn't say you know Brentford should be punished or anything like that he just thought that at the end of the the, the process that it was important that people who hadn't been paid all the wages got the, got that shortfall back before a club went out and spent like 20 million on a new player, you know? Mm. So, you know, is it, is it morally right that, you know, you know, it, I, th- I think I've nothing, no issue at all with clubs deferring wages at all. You know, if, if that's the way they're going to get through it, you know, so be it, awesome. you know, needs must have to be done you know yep. but then at the end of it when cash does start coming back into the game people you know this is not just players but staff you know hard working staff behind the mm. scenes they deserve the wages they deserve the full money and I think it will just be a little bit you know would it be morally right that a club then goes and spends five million on a new striker and pays them you know 30 grand a week 40 grand a week while 
you know, so, someone working in the office behind the scenes who's, you know, ha, you know, been on 80% of the wages or even 50%, suddenly, oh, can, can you carry on deferring for a little bit longer? You know, so I think that was the issue. Um, you know, it, it was very easy to tag Alex Neal into saying, oh, lead deserve a band transfer ban someone else does he never he, he was talking generally it was never a finger pointing at one 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 individual club um but you know when a manager says something these days you know people do put a twist on it if they want to and you know um you know it might it might it might stop him talk you know he might be reluctant to talk about you know that kind of thing in the future or you know might you know thought well if that's me, the reaction is going to be, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep quiet, you know, so, um, yeah. you know, not, think, not do I anything. The main thing there is that, and mm. not that we would accuse anyone of doing it for this reason, but I think his main mm. point is that, that people shouldn't be able to sort of profit from the situation in that no, by deferring no. these mm. wages, then when it comes back around, they can throw money yeah. over here instead and just yeah. kind of, mm. and, and leave this, this section kind of, kind of unpaid mm. or, or not properly yeah. looked after in a way. Yeah, yeah. The first thing, if 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 wages have been deferred, the first thing that should happen when cash starts to flow again is the shortfall gets made up before yeah. transfer fees, before agent fees, before pay rises, before bonuses or anything. You know, just get everyone back on a level, you know, a level playing field, you know, get them back to what they were earning, you know, just a few short months ago. And from a North End point of view, not a great deal has changed in the in the running side of the club as as and I, I, I know it's been mentioned by Alex Neal and, and Declan Rudd on, on the back of his new contract. We'll come to that. And they're all paid in full and, and everything's carrying on as normal in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, business as usual if they you know, as as far as you can, obviously. Um only the people cutting the grass at the stadium at the training ground they're in, you know, everyone else who's sort of working from home, players exercising at home, Alex Neal's planning from home, financial side of it's being done from home, you know, so, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it, that's the new normality at the moment. It's, I think people find it frustrating, like everywhere, you know, that, you know, that you behind closed doors, you're having to do your work at home, players get out and do a little bit of exercise, don't they? You, you know, run around the park, run around the streets, you know, to keep themselves fit and then the back working on weight benches or, you know, on their exercise bike or something, you know, so, um, yeah, you could say it's business as usual. It's not, is it though? You know, the, the whole life, your know, whole lifestyle for everyone's changed at the moment. So yeah. um, this is the this is know. the new usual. It's, it uh, is at it's the moment. Players yeah. working from home and pausing the Strava as they go for a run to look faster than everyone else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, not naming so, names, uh, Ross Barkley, uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to Declan Rudd then. His, his new contract, new three year mm-hmm. deal. It's almost yeah. like it's almost like the season's going on at this moment. I've just realised it's almost like we're back to normality here. Let's talk about new a new contract. player contract and and, yeah. and talk about the usual things. Uh, he's yeah. had a great season so far, although he hasn't played mm-hmm. for a few months. Uh, and uh, he deserves a new deal. And I suppose it was one of them. We kind of we kind of saw it coming. It was just a mm. case of whether whether the two parties could kind of come to an agreement. And it, it's it's yeah. not been something where we thought he's definitely going to leave or anything mm. like that. And and I think sense plays out in the end because I, I think he's been brilliant yeah. this season. Yeah, I think he's got better as the season goes on. I don't think there's any doubt that Jonathan Gould coming in as goalkeeping coach has helped him. You know, like uh, just that experienced figure, 
know, the experienced head, the work they can do. Not necessarily all on the training ground either, but the, the work they do, you know, like the goalkeeping coach and sort of work on angles and shot stopping and best technique. But there's a lot of, for goalkeepers, a lot of that, you know, work's done in the head as well, isn't it? You know, sort of if you make them... Yeah, how 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 you how you recover from a mistake? Rather, you know, keepers make mistake. Every footballer makes mistakes. Just a, a goalkeeper's mistakes are highlighted. Now, you know, you got to work on the head. You know, like if you if you do make a mistake, you just got to forget it and bounce back quickly. You know, but I think you know there might have been a case that you know stuff was being overthought a little bit before a lot of you know skewing on it a little bit too much you've just got to bounce back and get on with it and you know sort of you know I think I think we've really got better as the season goes on I think there's, there's been some games where made some great saves kept them in it you know North End have got on to win because you know we kept kept it at nil nil and North End have gone down the other end and scored a couple of goals Stoke away yeah. sort of springs to the amount you know I made I a couple of saves that. there like nil away, nil and, they didn't win I thought he was yeah. very good at at uh, yeah. Ellen Road. Yeah. And I think North Fen do they need, you know, stability. Alex Neal used that word with uh, when we'll sign his new contract about stability, you know, like you don't want to be chopping and changing positions all the time. You look Alex Neal has got a core of his squad now that he's worked with for full three years, hasn't he, since he's been here. You know, and they, they do seem to like that sort of uh stability rather than sort of all that if we've got a goalkeeper on loan for a year we'll have to change him after you know we we'll have to be looking for someone next season um, there might be some work needed under Declan Rudd I think you know yeah. in terms of backup and whatever but I, ju- I just thought with, with Rudd it was yeah it was one of them ones where because the clock was ticking towards the end of his contract which is in June I don't think as a player it's going to be the best summer to be out of contract this summer, you know, because of mm-hmm. when the, how long the season goes on and then the uncertainty. There's not Clubs aren't going to be falling over themselves to go out looking for players, are they? Um, but, but then from a North End point of view as well, you know, they they with signing Rudolph, they know they've got a, a good goalkeeper in good form, you know, who knows the club well. And maybe that's better than... Guy. Yeah, rather than having to go out and source a new keeper, you know, mm. and like, you know, who will be available. I, I've always said, you look around the championship, I don't think there's many absolutely outstanding goalkeepers. I think I think the goalkeepers, are, some of the goalkeepers are very good, but I don't think you've got sort of too many sort of world-class ones, you know, if you know what I mean. So yeah. you, are, you either, you know, I think with having Rudd there, um, they know they've got a good keeper you could go and gamble and look to a Premier League club to bring in a younger keeper they were linked with Murich last summer at Man City weren't they he ended up going to Nottingham Forest dodged the bullet he played, on that one I think he played, he played free, you know they're paying his full 37 grand a week wages or whatever it was I think he played four games and he got dropped for Bryce Samba who's come in and yeah. done very well he's probably yeah, he's you, you could say he's been one of the outstanding performers in the you yeah. know the goalkeepers in the championship so uh, yeah. yeah so I think it worked on both parties one you know Rudd probably didn't want to be out of contract this summer you know it's not the attraction it might have been once where you could pick and choose your club and North End didn't want to again have to go out and source a new keeper and I think what what played a big part in Rudd's position is that he's moved the family home back 
to Norwich. Mm. His um, his wife's parents live down there. I think De- Dex's parents do as well. But I know his wife wanted to be back closer to her mum and dad. Um, that played a big part of it. And he's probably weighing up. Can I split my time between Preston and Norwich? It's, it's not next door, is it? Um, but they've obviously, you know, got a compromise where... You know, you know, once we do get back to normal, can spend weekend. You know, after matches, you can spend a day or two back down with a family, and then it's back up here for a week training. You know, and uh, you know, do it that way. You know, and when when you got this, you know, it, it's easy for us to look on the outside and go, oh, "Why is he not signing a new contract?" But you know, we're all the same, aren't we? We've all got families, we've all got mm. you know, kids. We've got you know to consider. You know, and. Uh, you know, he's obviously decided, you know, that it was ideal to move the family back to Norfolk, but it needed a little bit of thinking about and, uh, you know, could we make this work? And, you know, that's how it turned out in the end. Yeah, so that I think that's why you got not, a bit of a delay. Yeah, that travelling portion's not quite um, unheard of, let's say, in no. football. Because no. yeah. I think with Simon Grayson was North End manager, I think him and his, his, his coaching staff were travelling from... Yorkshire every day, which isn't exactly oh, a, a short commute. Simon lived near Blackburn's training ground in Cliverall, to be fair. But oh, no. there were some of his staff were travelling from Yorkshire. You, yeah. you still get players now, you know, like uh, no, Tom Clark lives uh, over the other side of the, yeah. the border, as they say, over in Yorkshire. It's not unheard of. I don't think many players now live in the actual town where they're yeah, playing. Some do. I think you know. Malt still lives around the Stoke area, I think. Yeah, yeah. So you, you do get a bit more travelling, you know. So uh, I think I think Preston to Norwich is quite an extreme, to be fair. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, so, you know, but that's up to Deck to, you know, balance his lifestyle out. And he obviously thinks he can do that, you know, by signing a new deal. You know, if football's a short career, it might be something he does for the next three or four years and then doesn't have to do after that, you know. Yeah. And contracts are an interesting thing at the moment. I think in an ideal world, you wouldn't have minded uh, Alan Brown, Ben Pearson and uh, Ben Davies is all running out this summer instead of instead of next way the way like, as you mentioned it's not the greatest market for a, a free agent yeah. but in terms of extending them this summer because mm. obviously the season's going to carry on and all these sorts of things that's a mm. sort of club by club basis isn't it yeah it is yeah there was there was some talk initially when you know when when it football got halted in the further you know the further the suspension went on it was inevitable the season he's going to go into the summer if it starts again um which runs past the 30th of june is when contracts sort of start and finish and so if you're out of contract this summer the, the sort of thing was well what happens after june june the 30th now the way football works if a player isn't offered a new contract and is released, you still pay him a month's severance pay in July. You still pay him in July. It's a bit like redundancy pay for the rest of us. Um, if a player is offered a new contract and turns it down, that extra month doesn't apply. But, you know, the ba- the basis is sort of if football does go on into July and August or whatever, players will still get paid. You know, like clubs can still come to an agreement with them to sort of say, well, we don't know what's happening beyond the end of the season, but beyond June the 30th, if we can extend your contract until the end of July or on a week, week, week by week basis or a month by month basis and do it that way, then come to a decision further down the line on a sort of longer term thing. Now, North End has still, you know, Declan would, would have been in that, um, that, that, that boat, but obviously signing his new contract. Now you've still got Paul Gallagher, Tom Clark, 
Michael Crow, Matthew Hudson, um, and then the two lads who are out on loan, Kevin O'Connor and Connor Simpson. Uh, they're they're all reaching the end of the contracts this um, this June. So you'd think with you know with some of them there might be talks about yeah not only extending to cover the end of this season, but mm. beyond that, you know, another, you know, like, you know, a little bit beyond that. And there might be others in that group. You probably get to June the 30th and go, you know what, let's shake hands on it and, and, you know, you know, leave, you know, like we'll end our association here and they'll still get paid in July. And then, you know, they'll be looking to get fixed up after that, you know, so probably a bit of a mix at North end. I think I think the fear in football to start with was that every club would be forced to sort of take their out of contract players on, you know, under a big uniform agreement, you know, a big umbrella thing, rather than doing it on a club by club basis. But the EFL have been very sensible and said no do it individually, do it on individual player basis, individual club basis. You know, there will be some high earners in the championship who haven't kicked the ball all season hardly, who are coming to the end of the contract. So there'll be some clubs who will be dying, you know, let's get them off the books a minute, you know, the minute we can. You know, what what they didn't want would have been sort of contracts, you know, players on big money being extended into sort of September, October or whatever, you know, so, um, you know, when they weren't going to be used. So I think, I think allowing clubs to do it individually, very sensible. But think- then the planning goes, you know, North End do have a lot of players out of contract in June 2021. Mm-hmm. But hopefully things are a sort of bit more secure and steady by then. I'm sure North End's attention will be on that already and, you know, will certainly turn to that. You know, they do tend to think quite long-term with the contracts. At the moment, with no money coming in and whatever, it does make budgeting difficult. But I'm sure, you know, certain players, it's in the forefront of the minds of what can be, you know, what can be done. And you do hope that the fact, you know, North End, they continue to pay the players has been no furloughing or wage deferrals. They have looked after players. So, you know, maybe loyalty works two ways. Yeah, I I saw mention of that. I don't know if it was Alex Neal or if it was uh, Declan Rudd around his new contract. It said, you know, those those sorts of things from the club at this moment in time do go a long way for players. Yeah, they do. They do, you know, they appreciate it. You know, like, hopefully that's remembered in a few months' time and not just said at the moment, you know. So, um, but, you know, you know, it, it, you know, to have a good relationship with your club, you know, it doesn't always happen, does it? You know, they might, you know, the players fall out and things like that, you know, like further down the line, it, you know, it can, sometimes it can be difficult, but you just, you just hope that, you know, you know, there's a that good relationship between North End and the players for, you know, when it comes to contract talks in the future, you know, what one part of the negotiations can be, you know, we looked after you, you know, we carried on as normal, well, some other clubs might not do, you know, like if you move somewhere else, are they going to look after you quite as well? You know, might not, we might not be able to pay you quite as much, but, you know, um, but, you know, loyalty is a big thing. So, yeah, you know, I think contracts over, over the next sort of, sort of, you know, six, six, ten months or whatever, it'd be, be interesting to keep the eye on. Yeah, I think North End are quite unique in that regard, that it's a very, it's a very, personable approach that they have with with all the players and and I think it's shown quite a lot in the way that they've they've, they've kept playing paying them uh, throughout yeah. all this and, and I feel like that that goes in their favor a lot when it comes to obviously the like you said they can't pay players the same as everybody else but there is that that tight knit dressing room everyone in there there's no bad eggs anything like that and everyone's kind of within reach of whatever they need sort of thing 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's all part of the negotiations sometimes. <laughs> you know, like a, a player's agent might not think that and might advise them another way. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's just, you know, maybe on this one they'll win some and they'll lose some. So, yeah. it's, it's all conjecture, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'll move on as, uh, to another thing that I want to I want to cover, which is uh, Boot the Virus, the, the, oh, yeah. current, mm-hmm. the, the auction that's currently ongoing, set up by Kenny Marland and Joel Dalton. Uh, it's currently at just short of £30,000 in mm-hmm. four days. And for anyone that mm-hmm. has uh, not seen this or doesn't know what's going on, essentially... Um, Football players have donated their boots to this cause. It's all to raise money for NHS charities. Loads of players from up and down the Premier League, the League Two, the entirety of the Bournemouth squad, for example, has has uh, has pledged their support. The entirety of the Leeds squad, pretty much all of North End squad, if not all of them, things like that. All the way, you can you can go on and you can bid for um, for their boots. And it, it's I think it, it the auction ends on the 25th of May, and all the money is going. Uh, towards uh, NHS charities there's women's teams in there as well I was having a look before and uh, some of the some of the high high bids at the moment looking at James Madison's boots for 320 quid uh, North End North End ones Ben Pearson's are at 200 I think that's the best in the the PNE squad and then because of the way uh, Leeds backed it um, obviously you've got pretty much their whole squad in there and with the amount of fans that's obviously going to create a bit of a bidding war do you want to have a guess at the highest the high, the player with the, the highest bid at the moment Dave Is, what anywhere or just uh, within uh, the North I'll End players the, I'll give you that he's at Leeds he's at Leeds yeah hmm. um, Bamford no, no Hernandez Bamford Bamford no. is currently at 400 but that's not the highest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. who was the other one? Hernandez is at three hundred. Calvin Phillips. Calvin Phillips, correct. His is currently, yeah, uh, yeah. which is the which is the highest bid that I could find looking through the yeah. uh, Boot the Virus website, bootthevirus.com, mm. for anyone who wants to have a look and uh, place a bid. I think his were at six hundred and ten pounds, which wow. is higher wow. than pretty much anyone's. I think Jesse yeah. Wingard's are, are fairly high, at about three hundred pounds, and. Uh, yeah, so yeah. anyone anyone out there who's who's uh, looking to get involved definitely should. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's a, a brilliant idea, really. I think players yeah. get so many boots and they've they've got ongoing spare. Everyone loves a bit of memorabilia. Yeah. There is some assorted memorabilia as well that's uh, on the site. Yeah. It's a it's just a, a great sort of project, isn't it? No, it's, it's a really good charity, you know, like a charity auction, you know, the boots are all signed, you know, cleaned and signed and, and sent in. You know, I was looking, um, you know, when it when the auction first went live, you know, the North End one, um, what to start with, I've, I've not looked at it for a few days, but, you know, just at the start of it, Paul Huntington's black boots were uh, attracting plenty of bids, you know, so uh, he might be, you know, he's a, one who uniquely nowadays wears the traditional boots, doesn't it? So, um, you know, I just hope that, you know, it raises as much money as possible. You know, Kenny, who, who, who set it up with his partner, she, um, he's he's just finished chemotherapy um, for, mm. you know, for cancer, unfortunately. He said, he, he said during this 
you know, COVID crisis, he wanted to get out there and he wanted to, to, you know, to help. He wanted to volunteer, but he can, you know, the fact he is ill at the moment and receiving treatment meant he's having to shelter at home and stay stay out of the way. So he was thinking, well, how else can I help? And he came up with, you know, this, um, you know, the, the charity auctions for boots, you know, get get, get you know, getting players to donate a signed pair of football boots and going from there and, and raising money. And it, this is going to be fantastic if they're at the, the sort of near enough to 30,000 mark already with another you know two or three weeks of bidding still to go you'd like to think there's a really good amount of money raised there for nhs charities so uh you know continue the good work i've done a couple of articles in the post about it you know being well read well supported so uh just you know you know hopefully the bids keep on rolling in all over the place and i'll Kenny and his partner have worked very hard on this it's almost a 24 7 thing for him you know they're you know very high profile on social media, you know, getting the message out there and uh, done a bit on Sky Sports money, News. Yeah, the more money it raises, the better, you know. So, um, you know, and uh, you know, Kenny being ill at the moment, hopefully this is, uh, you know, keeping his mind, you know, occupied and uh, you know, doing some great work and wish him, <laughs> wish him all the best, you know. I'm yeah, sure, both do, yeah. You know, he's, he's in the best medical hands from. Uh, you know, and, and and hopefully, you know, he can steer onto a, a healthy path, you know, in the not too distant future. Yeah, credit to the North End for backing it early on and, and trying to yeah. make something of it as well. Who, who's, John Clark who's got, got that, involved, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, who do you reckon's highest bid at the moment then? PNE squad. Who's who's bids? Who's got the highest Didn't bid? Didn't you say Piero? Who's Piero up there? Or? Well, he's up there, but he's not actually the uh, number one. No. Galley? Galley, no? Nope. Galleys no. are currently, uh, I think, 150. Yeah. Dex, Dex boots. Nope. Dex. One hundred. Mm. Two more guesses. Chat Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, Nuge. Nope. Nuge. Five. Yeah. Sinclair. There it is. Got it at the last. Sinclair. Scott Sinclair. Two hundred and right. two hundred and ten pounds. Great stuff. Great stuff. Pounds, so that's that's. I mean, you combine all this, it's, you know, there's thousands yeah. and thousands of pounds being raised. It's, it's great to see the kind of football community coming together. Really, it is. It is. I think. Um, I think. I think this society in general have come together, haven't we? You know, it's fantastic. Whether whether it's football, rugby, sport, you know, whatever sport or you know whatever hobby you do, there's you know there's been fundraising efforts and you know supporting each other and sort of. You know, I think this this pandemic has brought out the best in a lot of people. It's probably brought out the worst in one or two. But, you know, like, um, but, you know, there, there are a lot of positives to be seized from, um, you know, what's happened over the last couple of months. Yep. And we'll go to a question which came in on Twitter when I asked uh, the other day. Make sure to follow at Tom Sandals and at Seds underscore LEP to uh, keep in touch with us and at LEP underscore football for all of our stories as well. Um, so what are the minimum safety measures fans would want in place before entering the football ground again? Physical distancing mm-hmm. would kill any atmosphere and a lot of the appeal. So what circumstances would fans find acceptable in order to go back into a ground? What mm. what do you think? I mean, to me, I think I, d- I don't think in general fans are mm. too bothered about the social. I mean, I think I think that's probably maybe a cynical view of of the way people are taking it at times. But I think I, I agree that any sort of social distancing in, in football grounds is going to affect the atmosphere. But yeah. I'd I'd say that 
generally speaking, I think some people would just rather see it back than those measures come into place. And then you'd find other people who would rather it played behind closed doors mm-hmm. than, and have football be played than, um, than have to kind of have it a, a light version. If, if you Yeah. Will. I think, well, close, let's get our heads around this. Closed doors football is going to be the norm for probably um, into the autumn, probably if not, into early 2021, you know, like mm. these dates we're hearing, they're not being plucked from anywhere. I'm sure back to our earlier conversation about football planning for when they can get back properly and, you know, when it's safe and everything, they are in talks with the government. They're not doing this on out on a limb, you know, and then just going to surprise the government one day and say, oh, by the way, we're starting next week. You know, this is, you know, they'll be getting advice from the government and they'll be advising the government what they're trying to do. You know, it's a two-way thing. Um, so when football will start, maybe, you know, but by, by, by the time fans are coming back into the stadiums next, you know, if it is going to be the back end of this year or early next year, some fans are going to be wary. Of course they are, you know, if you've got health issues or you're a certain age or, you know, you, you know, you, you, you're going to be wary. Do you want to be sat next to someone who, um, you know, who might be, you know, carrying the virus and passing it on without knowing it. Um, you know, this lockdown isn't going to, kill this virus lockdown helps control you know sort of the you know slowing down the rate it spread you know like helping the hospitals manage and whatnot what ultimately will kill this virus is um a vaccine um antivirals you know you know medicines being developed on time and you know sort of you know testing and whatnot so you know, when we come out of lockdown, we're not going to suddenly sort of walk free thinking, well, yeah, I'm all right, you know. But uh, I think, you know, we it's not just footballing like, you know, do we want to go back? Do we do we trust sitting in a, a busy place or something? We're, we're, a frightened, we're a frightened world at the moment, aren't we? You know, like we're a, a, a frightened, you know, the, the public are frightened of what this has done. Um, and somehow, you know, the government did, you know, brought it home with lockdown, they bring it home to you, look, this is how serious it can be, you know, like with, with the death rate, with the infection rate. Um, but then at the other end, they've also, once they decide that, it, you know, measures can be put in place, they have to somehow unfrighten people and tempt people out of the, you know, back into the community to sort of, um, you know, start living some kind of life again. And uh, whether football will be high on some priorities, it might not be, you know, but for some people it will be, you leave an empty space between you and the next person. I, I, I honestly don't know. It's it's it's, it's going to be difficult, you know. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hard one to call out. They're doing. I suppose there will come a time where people are going to be going about the business a lot more sort of carefree than what they will be for the next few weeks or a month or whatever. Whether that's if they can get a vaccine for this and you know get an immunity, um, you know that that be the ideal thing, you know. But I think I think I think it will take football and society quite a long time to to get over this, you know. Like, um, but you know, you know, it, it's just I think once once people can be tempted to get back into the normal walk of life, and if you know that doesn't if their normal walk of life includes a visit to the football every Saturday or following the team so you know hopefully that can help you know but within a ground you know sort of 
you've got to think washing facilities will have to be improved. Football grounds aren't the healthiest places, aren't they? You know, sort of. <laughs> I don't know. You know, a visit to the gents at half time in the away end ain't a, ain't a pretty place at the best of times, you know. So, you know, did, did he want people crammed in a concourse having a beer together, yeah. you know, and things like that? I think it's so, possible to social distance inside the concourse. Do you try and walk along no, or anything? And you're, yeah, you're always yeah. squeezing in between people and, and all these sorts of things. Yeah, at some point, pe- people are going to have to take a little bit of a risk, aren't they? You know, mm. so, um, you know, but as I say, you know, the, the the longer the medics and the scientists have got time to work on, you know, vaccines or treating it or sort of knowing more about this virus, the better, you know, like, you know, and if I think that's one of the things lockdown has done, hasn't it, is kept people at home, so... You know, it's bought time, you know, and like the further down the track we get with this, you know, you think they're going to know more about it. And maybe, maybe some of the social distancing measures they've got in place at the moment won't be necessary, you know, further down the line. You know, they might have thought, well, we had to do it at this time because we didn't know quite enough about it. But looking back on it, it might it might fall well. That was a bit draconian, but it was necessary at the time, you know. So, uh, but it, it's just we're all you know we we all we all go around thinking we're some kinds of experts on on viruses. <laughs> we're not, are we? Even even the absolute experts on this, they're having to learn on the feet, you know, as we go along, you know. So uh, you know, and get their heads around it. So how you know to to be guessing at you know, what distancing measures or what measures football grounds will have. I just think, you know, maybe as a society, we have to get a little bit cleaner. The fact that we were all told to wash our hands two months ago, were people not doing it already? You know, like, uh, you know, you, you know, football grounds and whatever, you, you can't have toilets in the state that some of them are like, you know, like, um, some you know, literally a hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, you know, people not washing their hands you know that, that, that's just the basics aren't they you know yeah. so whether you get some kind of like uh but you know queuing for a pie queuing for a beer at half time you know how, how are you going to do that you know so um you do you, you, I, th- I think it's just that is going to have to be a case of society getting a bit more a bit less wary of each other you know like at the moment we're still outside the supermarket we're giving each other a wide berth aren't we you know like mm. uh, you're treating it as like every person you come across could be a threat to you, you know, like it could be a risk to your health. We're, we're going to have to drag ourselves away from that. And it, it's difficult to do, you know, so um, I, I wouldn't blame anyone who wanted to, or I might give crowds a miss for a bit, you know, so even if, you know, I miss out on my football. So it's, um, no, it's a difficult one. It's a tough one. Yeah. It'd be interesting to get anyone else's, anyone else's views on this. Like, like I said, I mentioned our Twitter handles before at Tom Sandals and uh, at Seds underscore LEP. Let us know what, what you think about it and uh, mm. in 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 I don't it's hard to kind of to put it to you in, in the way that we don't really know enough no. but mm. at, at, a, at a guess what would be what would be your way of returning returning football if that makes sense bringing football back how would you go about it at the moment because as well as we were saying about the social distancing in crowds we'll obviously mm. be in that uh, in, a, in a position of luxury in a way that even if they are behind closed door the likelihood is that the media will be allowed to cover it so the fans can yeah. get a, a, mm. a bit of it as well so yeah. uh, uh, we will probably be able to go but mm. how would you bring it back yourself I think um I the time frame of starting training again 
in May ahead of a June start. I, I don't see anything wrong with planning that. Maybe, maybe June, you know, a bit later in June. I don't know. Um, I think training is going to be interesting, you know, for the players. I think a lot of, you know, you see more and more Premier League teams now opening up the training grounds and players are going in in twos and threes, you know, on a, on a rotor basis, you know, and basically they'll, they'll have a pitch each to work on just to do some running, you know, just to get the legs stretched and do some sprint work, which you can't, re- you can't suddenly burst into a big sprint, can you, running down the street or on your road run. So, you know, you need that pitch, that running on grass and everything. And then I think a return to training, you don't necessarily, you know, you, you People keep going on. Oh, what about tackling? You know, in train, you know, in games and everything. Yeah, in 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 games, you do need to go flying in for tackles. But maybe in training, yeah, I don't think tackling is encouraged that much in training, isn't it? You know, all managers don't like players flying into challenges on a on a Thursday and Friday and potentially picking up an injury ahead of a Saturday game. You know, they tend it tends to be more sort of tactical based, and maybe training will have to be that sort of physical element of keeping fit. And then everything else done in shape work, you know, working on the shape, working in tactics and not, you know, you can actually avoid, you know, a little bit of contact without, you know, doing that. Obviously when football start, the actual game start, you need need to tackle, you need to go up for headers against people, (laughs) corners, things like that. But, is that as much of a risk as is that not the same risk of standing outside Sainsbury's waiting to go in Sainsbury's or other supermarkets? You know, you've probably done it yourself, Tom. You've gone into a supermarket where you've tried to keep two meters apart from you. And <laughs> you some know, full well I have. <laughs> and, yeah. And some you pillar comes in, you know, <laughs> elbowing you out of the way just so they can reach for that extra toilet roll or the pasta yeah. or whatever. Cutting and corners for the sake of it. Yeah. No getting social, I could be here for yeah, my own social distancing has suddenly got Yeah, social distancing suddenly goes out of the, the window yeah. again, you know. So you could say, you know, there could there could be as much risk playing football as, as a trip to the supermarket. I'm not I'm <laughs> yeah. not being blase saying that, you know, but they, they will they will need to they, they will need some te- they will need testing. They've mm. got to be careful that footballers aren't being tested as a priority over more key workers or hospital workers or mm. doctors, nurses, whatever, you know, they've got to make sure they've got the capacity. That's up to the government to supply that. Um, so yeah, I think I think before a ball's kicked, there needs to be that capacity where footballers can be tested, and when those tests aren't being kept away from those more needy, you know, as you know, who need it more. Um, but I can I can see I can see football being played again this um, this summer. Um, what, you know, be totally different to what we what we you know what we used to empty grounds with all. We've all covered a reserve. We've all been to a reserve game, haven't we? Or a, a sort yeah, of team game at the training ground where yeah. you know where there's very few people in, and you can hear the shouting echoing round the grounds, and you know every every word. You know, it's quite interesting sometimes. You're hearing players communicating on the pitch. It's actually quite mm. interesting to hear what what they're saying to each other. You know, and like their instructions to each other. Uh, but that's going to be the norm, and um, I think I think what we'll probably get a rise is if uh, whoever's commentating on Sky or however they broadcast the games, I think we're going to get a lot more apologies for, sorry for the bad language there because you're going to be hearing, you're going to be hearing every other word, but certain things have to change like spitting, 
you can't yeah. you can't be going around spitting you know like um i find it one of the, the when you see someone spitting in the street i think it's one of the worst things you can see it's horrible yeah. on the football pitch you know sports ground you do players do tend to get the, the urge to spit you know they're gonna they're gonna have to get out of that kind of habit so it was, it, it, it's a small thing but it, it could be quite a big risk that you know but um so you know we're going to be seeing you know that sort of thing discouraged you know like you know people making a lot oh you know like uh, well they have to stop the handshakes well that's not mm. difficult to do yeah walk yeah. out of the tunnel at a different time when I started watching football in the seventies Tom you were you know you know you you obviously won't remember this but <laughs> teams used to run out of the tunnel at the same time they used to come on the pitch at a different time you know like away team often came out first and then about a minute later the the home team would run out and mm. and that's how it was you know this lining up in the tunnel and doing the handshaking is is a fairly recent development that's a little mm. bit of risk you can cut out of the game you know like um you know you just keep a part in the tunnel and things like that and maybe maybe towards half time rather than everyone piling down into the tunnel at once sort of one team just holds back on the pitch for 30 even, seconds let the other team get in the dressing room you know so. it, even the dugout it's not like you're going to be short of space around it no you can just no, spread, you can spread out. them out yeah <laughs> Yeah, no. you don't. You know, Especially, at the moment, it's just been a normal thing. Yeah, physio sits there. You know, you're going to need your physio and your club doctor near the ground, near the pitch. Your substitutes can maybe spread out. You know, like non-playing members of staff who who haven't been picked for that game, who might sit in the dugout area. They can, you know, distance in the stand. You know, and uh, just do it that way. You know, so there's, there's little things like that where you can probably cut out quite a bit of risk. You know, but. You know where 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 the contact happens is a challenge. You know, is a tackle, isn't it, and uh, a challenge? Yeah, because it's important not to forget that the players are at risk as well, and you've got to look after the players' yeah. health as, as much as anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to look after the players like you look. You know, but you know they're not more important than anyone in society. And most, you know, speak to any player, they're not they're not trying to be you know you do get this sort of media portrayal sometimes or look at them because they want to play they think they're better than you know because they want to get back playing football they're better than the rest of us that's not the case you know like a lot of these lads are just down to earth like we'll, we'll play when we can we want to play but you know we know that other people have to be kept safe you know like um you know i'm sure all they say you know for you know, if a nurse or a doctor can get tested and get them back to work and keep them safe, that's a priority, you know. Mm. So, uh, but um, no, a lot of questions there and a lot of, you know, not a lot of answers, but we'll just have to see how we're going. Yep. As long as the uh, as the doctors and daytime mm. TV hosts can get tests, then I think we'll be all right. Cause, uh, well, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I did see that joke about Piers Morgan. Unfortunately, the coronavirus has caught Piers Morgan, you know, so uh, <laughs> working it the way around. But, you know, yeah, well, suddenly he's got a test, you yeah. know, like, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan, I've got to admit, but, you know, does a TV personality qualify for a... Uh, why should they qualify for a test? He might have done it privately. Fair enough. You know, that's who's look at if he's paid for one. Fair enough. You know, then mm. you can't argue then about footballers looking for private tests. You know, but the, the thing is, it, it, you know, the, 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 the you saying the testing is meant to be ramping up. They have got, 
they have got enough test. They just can't get people to test them quick enough or, or whatever, you know. So um, I think club doctors are going to come to, you know, come to the fore here, aren't they? You know, I'm yeah. sure um, you know, every, every club has to have a full-time club, you know, a club doctor on call, you know, and um, I'm sure they're putting their heads together in conference calls and, and whatnot to sort of, from a medical point of view, how can we make this work? So We just want to be getting back to... Yeah, yeah. I can't wait till we're talking about the old games and looking forward to the new games and we're talking about hamstring strains and all those sorts of things again and then it's less about all this proper journalism let's just get back to talking about footy we want four three three. What should it be in two up front instead of one? Should Ben Pearson be booked less or whatever? We just want, that's what we want to be talking about. Just a bit of normal life, you know. It might take a while, but one day we'll get there, I reckon. Yep, and that's the that's the main thing. I suppose that's the thing that's getting everyone through it. Is so we are going to get back to normality at some point, and uh, and I suppose that's kind of why we wanted to do this. Try and get back to what mm. we what we used to do. Obviously, everything's been a bit disrupted, and obviously we're doing this remotely and. Uh, and we want to try and get back to a bit of normality. We'll try and do the podcast um, more regular than we have been. I mean, when you do none, it's not regular at all. But um, we'll try and get back to maybe every every other week or something like that, depending on if there's news to talk about or if uh, if people are sending in questions for us. We're happy to do a, a Q and A podcast sort of uh, sort of thing and, and try and get going from there. But um, I think that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it for us and uh, just make sure that you follow us all on uh, on Twitter at Tom Sandals and at Seds underscore LEP and uh, at uh, LEP underscore football to keep track of all our stories all the PNE content there's always PNE content going up every day to try and keep you up to date with everything that's going on as and as and when we know um, but that's pretty much it so uh, all that's left to say is uh, thank you very much for listening and everyone stay safe yeah that's the main thing stay safe stay healthy and uh hopefully it won't be too long before we can uh get some kind of um you know routine and normality back into our lives yeah all right well thank you very much dave and uh, thanks everyone for listening